you're sitting there wondering, where is he going with this? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Jesus enjoyed fellowship with his disciples, uh, but they were exceedingly inadequate in Jesus's time of great need. Uh, how can anyone uh, fulfill the needs of holy, perfect God uh, in uh, human flesh uh, in his hour of need? Uh, Wilson was nothing more than a hunk of inflated leather uh, with a drawn face, unable to be uh, the companion that Tom Hanks needed or to, or to provide solace for him in his moments of desperation and isolation. Uh, and as it turns out, Jesus' disciples were of little more value to him uh, than Wilson was to Tom Hanks in his time of need. It turns out that they, they all abandoned him. They all fell away, all choosing to preserve themselves rather than standing by his side, come what may. Now, Jesus, of course, knew that this would happen, but the knowing that something is going to happen doesn't make it any easier uh, when it does happen. Uh, Jesus knew everything. He knew all that was going to happen. In, in the first episode that we studied uh, in this little mini-series, we, we saw uh, that, that Mary broke the, uh, the alabaster vial and anointed Jesus for burial because he was going to die. And last week, uh, this episode that we looked at about Jesus at the Passover, converting, transforming that last uh, Passover into uh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, and when he said at the end, uh, this, this bread represents my body, which will be broken for you. Uh, so he knew that it was to comm commemorate his death. So Jesus knew all that was coming. Uh, Jesus would not be rescued from the cross as Tom Hanks was rescued from the ocean. He had to uh, stay in this world for a couple hours longer, but he would have to suffer before leaving this world uh, that was never really his uh, to begin with and returning to the Father. Well, I, I don't want to beat us up too much today, but what I do want us to see today is how much more we, you and I, resemble the disciples than Jesus. Uh, that as the disciples failed more often than not, so we fail more often than not. But at the same time, I also want us to see uh, Jesus' incredible grace extended to us uh, as it was extended to the apostles. And that's why I said in the welcome that the whole gospel message is present here. Uh, you will all fall away. That represents sin uh, and, and leaving the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but the good news, I will be raised. And when I am, I will meet you in Galilee, right? The reconciliation uh, that happens uh, through uh, Jesus Christ and his death, burial, resurrection, and, and his restoration of relationship with us. So I want us to see those two things today. Uh, Jesus, uh, in his human nature, he wanted no part of the cross, right? And, and who can blame him? But in his divine nature, uh, he had to go forward. He had to go forward to the cross because this was the plan from eternity past when God and Jesus agreed that this was how uh, man was going to be redeemed. Uh, and so what we see here is, is that Jesus models discipleship for us. And we see that a faithful disciple is faithful because he recognizes that God is in control of all things. And a faithful disciple doesn't, um, doesn't rest or, or trust in his own power and his own strength because when push comes to shove, when the, when the rubber meets the road, we realize we don't have any of our own power and strength. It, it all comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so uh, Mark is, is very keen in this passage to contrast 
Jesus' faithfulness to God's obedience and plan uh, with the disciples' unfaithfulness and, and uh, inability to focus on God's plan. So we're going to look at our passage in three different parts today. Uh, Jesus predicts Peter's denial in verses 27 to 31. Uh, Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, that's verses 32 to 42. And then Judas betrays Jesus, that's verses 43 to 52. So first, uh, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Verse 27, you will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Well, let's just talk about the setting of, of this uh, for a minute. Uh, last week, remember, the passage ended with, uh, after singing a hymn, Jesus and his disciples went out to the Mount of Olives. Uh, so here's a map, it's a little hard to see, but you can see the temple area uh, here. And uh, the Mount of Olives is just across the Kidron Valley here. So not a very far walk. In fact, if you're standing on the Mount of Olives right here, you can look down through the Kidron Valley and then right across to the city of Jerusalem. Of course, that's the Dome of the Rock now. That's not the temple that existed there uh, 2,000 years ago. But that's what it looks like. It's not a very far walk. And so verses 27 to 31 uh, must have happened either on the Mount of Olives, standing right there, or on the walk from the Mount of Olives over to the Garden of Gethsemane, which if we were standing there, we would face this way, and we'd walk about a half mile just down the road to the Mount of Olives, that's where, uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, that's right where it is. So uh, Jesus knew that Judas would come looking for him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and so that's where he went. Uh, this was Jesus' last night on earth. Uh, these were the last few hours before he was going to be arrested and before the suffering was going to begin. And, and the stress was mounting, of course. Uh, Jesus showed his full humanity in this passage. We see uh, the anxiety, the fear, the loneliness, the loneliness, the desolation, the anguish. They're all over this passage. And, you know, when, when you and I are going through a trial, most of us have somebody we can go to, a person, a friend, uh, that we can uh, go to, tell our problems, to pray with, uh, and to receive consolation. But for Jesus, there would be no human support. Uh, they all bailed on him uh, in his hour of need. <clears throat> but still, Jesus was always the teacher. And he made three prophetic statements uh, in these verses, uh, that they would all fall away, uh, that he would be raised, and that Peter would deny him. So uh, Jesus said, you will all fall away, verse 27. That word fall away is from the Greek word scandalon, which in its verb form means uh, that you can be uh, caused to suffer a downfall or, or to cause to fall into sin. Uh, in its noun form, it means a, a temptation or a trap. And so uh, all throughout this night, uh, Jesus faced a decision, and the disciples were about to face a decision too. And Jesus is saying, you're all going to fall into this trap. 
Jesus, uh, he could have thrown a stick in the spokes of this thing at any time, right? He could have stopped this process. He could have stopped all that was going to happen, uh, but he chose not to because the, the cost of that would have been that he would not have redeemed mankind from its sin. And that was the very purpose for which he came. Uh, so uh, he went on to fulfill his commission, uh, but his disciples were going to have a choice too. <clears throat> they, could, they could choose to stay with him, uh, come what may, uh, in his hour of need, no matter what uh, well, the cost was of being associated with him, and that would have preserved, uh, that, that would have uh, been at great cost to themselves. Or they could choose to preserve their safety and their lives. Uh, and Jesus predicted that they would all abandon him. They would all fall away. Now, I want to be careful to say that this does not mean that they would lose their salvation. They weren't going to lose their salvation, but they were temporarily going to fall into this trap of fear, uh, this trap of, of seeking self-preservation over self-denial. And when tested, each one of them would falter. And Jesus said that this was going to happen to fulfill prophecy. Uh, this quote comes directly from uh, Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7, where uh, uh, it says, Awake sword against my shepherd, against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered and I will turn my hand against the little ones. So Jesus is picturing himself as this sheep, this prophesied sheep who would be struck. Uh, which is, of course, a reference to his upcoming trial and then crucifixion. Uh, and so without their leader, the sheep would all fall away. And here is the backdrop of the second prediction. They're all going to fall away. Uh, but Jesus then gives them this reassurance, I will be raised, verse 28. Now, this is the fourth time in the book of Mark, in, in Mark's gospel, where Jesus has said, uh, I am going to Jerusalem to suffer and to be turned over to men and to be crucified, uh, but I'll be raised again four times. And not once did these disciples ask what he meant by that statement. They were often quite dense, uh, quite consumed with their own selves, uh, but Jesus was so gracious to them. Uh, he knew that they were afraid and confused, and he told them, this message of great hope after I'm raised, go and meet me in Galilee and there I will see you again. And so it's proof that even when we abandon Jesus, he never abandons us. There is always grace. He says, go meet me in Galilee and there you'll be reconciled to me. Now, you and I, we all lose our courage from time to time. Uh, but Jesus loves us anyway, and the same was true of his disciples. They would lose their courage in the moment, but they would keep their faith. And so uh, Jesus will be raised, even though they will all fall away. And now, <clears throat> the most personal of all the predictions, Peter would deny him. Now, Peter was always the big talker, right? Peter was never at a loss for words. Peter was always the guy who would charge through a wall, right, no matter what. Uh, and he spoke for all the disciples as usual, always the one, uh, brash and, and uh, speaking up. And yet the disciples all agreed with him. They said they'd all die with Jesus if that was necessary. 
Now, uh, Jesus' initial prediction was general, right? You'll all fall away. But now when Peter comes up and says, you know, I'm Peter, and even I, if even I have to die with you, I will die with you. And that's when Jesus makes it personal uh, to Peter. Uh, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. You, Peter, will deny me three times. Can you imagine being Peter uh, and having the Lord look at you eye to eye and say, in just the upcoming hours, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster even crows? What a devastating prophecy. And yet Peter is never left speechless, right? Uh, Even if I have to die with you, Lord, I will die with you. Uh, And all the other disciples agreed. Now, what I will say for Peter and the other disciples is that their hearts were good, right? Their hearts were in the right place. They they intended to be loyal to Jesus. Uh, But you never know how you're going to react under extreme stress until you actually face the extreme stress. That's one thing to say it, and it's another thing to do it. Uh, and we're often the same in our own lives, so we can, we can empathize with these apostles. You know, every time that we have the opportunity to speak for Jesus and we don't, uh, we're choosing the path of comfort like the apostles did. And every time we sin, we're choosing our fleshly desire over holiness. We're yielding to something that God says he doesn't want us to do. Uh, So these apostles, in their time of testing, they were all going to fall away. But let's not beat up on them too much, because I think we would all have fallen away too. Uh, In in their shoes, we would all have done the same thing, because self-preservation is a very powerful impulse, and fear is a very paralyzing thing. But with Jesus again, there is always grace. I will go ahead. I will meet you in Galilee. Always this offer of grace to them. Well, how do you think these disciples felt on the way to the garden as they're walking this, you know, maybe half mile down the road to the Garden of Gethsemane? Uh, confused, uh, apprehensive, anxious, maybe confident that they wouldn't, wouldn't betray him? Uh, I don't really know how they felt, but it had to be a very difficult time for them because they just couldn't see the bigger picture that Jesus was talking about. Uh, I'm going to die, I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to be raised again. Uh, They would fall again, but he would see them again in Galilee, uh, the gospel message. Uh, the, 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 The disciples would blow it in all of their trials, but because Jesus succeeded in his, because he faced what he had to face and went to the cross and rose again, Uh, we have salvation. And though they ran away in fear, uh, Jesus saved them and us by perishing at the cross at his enemy's hands for our sins. And so his disciples, they just didn't understand. Jesus, of course, knew fully what was going on and the enormity of what he was facing in these next several hours. And that's why he was eager to pray to his father uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. So let's read 32 to 42. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter and James and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. And going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. 
Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting enough? The hour has come. Look, the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. These are gut-wrenching verses. Uh, Here is Jesus uh, being ever faithful, and here are the disciples not even able to stay awake for an hour to pray with him. The Garden of Gethsemane uh, is filled with olive trees. It's not very big. This is what it looks like. Uh, The word Gethsemane means olive press. That's the literal meaning of the word. And an olive press is where they took their olives to be crushed. And this is how they did it. They created a giant stone wheel and they attached a donkey to the wheel. uh, And he just walks around in circles as that stone rolls over the olives and squeezes all the olive oil out of that olive. And then it runs out into a vat that collects it. And an olive press is perfectly symbolic of what Jesus was about to experience in the next few hours. Crushed by his enemies, his blood squeezed out of him under not just physical, but the emotional stress to the extent that his blood oozed out of his pores. That is what Jesus was facing. And the weight of the, of the, psychological, of the psychological toll of what was about to happen uh, started to wear on Jesus here. And so he tells his disciples, the other eight, sit, at this, sit here while I go ahead and pray. And then he takes uh, Peter, James, and John a little bit further. And he says to them, uh, my soul is distressed, uh, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Uh, The word distressed means to to suffer an intense emotional state. And the word for troubled means to be in extreme anguish. Uh, The English language really doesn't do justice, uh, can't do justice to what Jesus was suffering here. Mark tells of Jesus's agony with words. But if we flipped over to the Gospel of Luke, we see Luke showing in word pictures what Jesus was actually suffering. Just like uh, in Castaway, Tom Hanks is, is showing his loneliness and desperation through facial expressions and body language. Luke is showing Jesus's emotions by uh, him dropping to the ground and, and literally sweating drops of blood uh, from his pores in his stress and anguish. And, and that's something that we can picture in our minds and, and we, can, we can feel the weight of that as it pierces our hearts. Uh, Jesus experienced a medical condition that is called hematidrosis, uh, which is when uh, the capillary uh, blood vessels uh, burst uh, and they feed the sweat glands. And so those blood vessels burst and instead of sweat pouring out, blood pours out. uh, And that happens in uh, under times of extreme stress, uh, physical or emotional. Now, uh, I have suffered pretty serious emotional distress, and I'm sure that many of you have too. But nothing like this. This was to the point of death. This was on the very verge of death that nearly killed his human body. And so we prayed to the Father, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And so Jesus 
even in his anguish and distress, modeled submission to God in every way possible. Uh, Jesus was every bit equal to God the Father, but their roles were different. Jesus' role was to drink the cup. And the cup was not only the physical suffering, the cup was the emotional anguish of what he was about to go through, uh, being forsaken by his father, uh, taking on the sin of the world, past, present, and future, every sin that has ever or ever will be committed uh, was about to be poured on him. And while he had enjoyed perfect fellowship in the Trinity uh, for all eternity, now in this human body, he is about to face all of his father's wrath on all sin ever committed. Uh, We can understand to some extent uh, emotional anguish in our lives. Can you imagine, of course we can't, what that would be like for Jesus to have to endure the torture that was coming. And so Jesus prayed, everything is possible for you. But it was impossible. It is not possible. There, There was no other way. This was the plan. Jesus had to die for our sins, to save us from the penalty of our sin. And Jesus knew that there was no other way. So Jesus followed his father's will and this plan that they had developed between them from eternity past, and he continued to walk on. And meanwhile, his apostles were so tired. Have you ever been so tired where you couldn't even keep your eyes open? Well, this is what the apostles were like in their flesh Uh, They couldn't even follow his command to keep watch and to pray. Uh, Jesus knew that they would each face their own trial in the upcoming minutes, so he said, stay awake, pray, keep watch. But Jesus returned to find them sleeping three times. Jesus said to Peter, couldn't you even stay awake, Peter? You who said you'd die for me, couldn't you even stay awake for an hour? Keep watching and praying. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And boy, uh, I don't know if there's a, a... a more true statement of you and I, right? To how how uh, willing the, the, the spirit seems to be at times, but the flesh so weak. We have the, the best intentions. We honestly do. Uh, and then sometimes when the rubber meets the road, uh, we, we fail. And that's why we so desperately need a savior. <clears throat> Our flesh is so weak because it's so sinful. Uh, we have sinful flesh. And even with the best intentions, we don't even obey God for a single day. We choose comfort over inconvenience almost every time. And that's why Jesus' obedience is so astounding, to go to the lengths that he went to for us. Uh, I don't know if any of us in his position would have gone through with it. We probably would have called down the legions of angels uh, to be rescued from what we were about to undergo because of our weakness. Jesus is the only one who could have obeyed his Father's will perfectly, Uh, We struggle so much because the spirit and the flesh are in conflict and we we have this internal struggle and we're always fighting. Uh, Are we going to obey the spirit or are we going to obey the flesh? Uh, We have not lost our human nature even though we have the Holy Spirit. And so this battle continues on. We say that we want what God wants and we really do want what God wants, but sometimes it's hard for us to go through with it. And Jesus, in his humanity, he didn't want to go to the cross, right? That's obvious from reading uh, what is written here. But he obediently marched toward it in one direction while the apostles all ran the other way. Now, they came, Jesus found them sleeping three times. 
they didn't know what to say, right? What do you say to God uh, when he's disappointed in you? Uh, three times he found them sleeping. They were so guilty, so guilt-ridden, so unable to be the companion that he needed. Uh, but Jesus was not angry with them, right? Jesus understood them. He understood the human condition because he was fully human. That means that he understands our frailties, our infirmities, and he went to the cross to die for all of them, and that's how much he loves us. And even when we let Jesus down, he still loves us. When I am raised, I will go ahead to meet you in Galilee. He suffered crucifixion to purchase the forgiveness of sins. Well, while all this is going on in the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas, remember Judas? He's still working behind the scenes to bring about this result that God had ordained. He had recruited a crowd armed with swords and clubs. Uh, John's Gospel also says that Judas brought a Roman cohort. That's 600 armed Roman soldiers uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane uh, to effectuate this arrest of Jesus. And Jesus knew that time was running out. He knew that Judas was coming. And so Judas betrays Jesus, verses 43 to 52. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the 12, appeared. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus, and when they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind him. So what we see here is that a faithful disciple stays to the end. Jesus' disciples were not able to be faithful in this moment. Judas made a deal with the chief priests to betray him. And the chief priests were a very powerful group. Uh, If you're able to get Pilate to give you a a cohort of 600 Roman soldiers to go and make this arrest, uh, you have some power. Now, these soldiers were just working men. Uh, You know, they may have heard of Jesus, but they didn't know who he was. They wouldn't have been able to identify him. They just thought they were working nights and going out to arrest a common criminal. And so that's why Jesus had to, or Judas had to uh, identify uh, Jesus with this signal that he had prearranged, the one that he kissed. That was the one to arrest. And so Judas uh, approaches Jesus and he calls him rabbi. And then he, he kisses him. Uh, on the cheek. Uh, can you imagine, can you imagine the treachery, uh, the hypocrisy of Judas uh, to be able to give a, a respectful greeting and to, and to kiss your Lord and Savior? Jesus didn't resist at all. Uh, in Matthew, uh, Jesus said, friend, do what you have come to do. Can you imagine calling your betrayer friend? John's gospel says, uh, that, that when Jesus, or Jesus said, whom do you seek? 
uh, and they said, Jesus the Nazarene. And Jesus said, I am he. And when he said that, he blew them all back uh, to the ground with the power of his words. So those who represented all the power of Rome and all the power of the Jews knocked backwards to the ground, falling down by the power of Jesus, by the power of the Lord, whether they recognized him or not. Well, Peter saw what was about to happen, and he reacted violently. Now, maybe it was because he was very uh, eager not to fulfill the prophecy that Jesus said that you'll all fall away from me. Uh, but that, what, what happened here, is not the prophecy uh, that Jesus was talking about. Jesus was talking about something that was going to happen a couple of hours later uh, when, G when Peter denied him uh, in the high priest's courtyard. Uh, but Mark says that one of those who was standing near struck the, uh, the slave of the high priest. Uh, but it is uh, John's gospel that tells us that Peter is the one. He identifies Peter. And Luke is the only gospel that says that Jesus then healed the uh, servant's ears. But Peter was very bold here uh, in defending Jesus. Uh, he probably thought he was doing his duty, uh, not falling away, sticking with Jesus till the end. Uh, but G Peter's moment was coming later. This was not that moment. Uh, coming with swords and clubs and, and a Roman cohort was total overkill, right? Uh, Jesus had no plans uh, to be a rebel, to resist this arrest. Uh, he did not want to put up a fight. He says, I preached in your temples, I preached in your synagogues, uh, and now you're coming out to arrest me with clubs and swords like he was a common thief. Well, as soon as they arrested him, just as Jesus prophesied, every one of his disciples fled. Verses 51 and 52 are unique to Mark. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus and when they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Well, most scholars and experts believe that this young man was Mark himself, the author of the gospel. And though he wasn't an official apostle, he was a follower of Jesus. Uh, he was the daughter of Mary, who owned the place where they had the Last Supper, who owned that upper room. Uh, and he may have even witnessed the Lord's Supper. Mark may have been there for that. So, what was Mark doing in the Garden of Gethsemane? Uh, this requires a little bit of speculation, uh, but let's think about it. I think this is a very plausible explanation. Uh, maybe Mark had gone to bed dressed only in a sleeping linen. Uh, that's, that's how they went to bed. Uh, now, Judas knew that house. They had just had the Last Supper there. So when Judas was bringing his, his uh, soldiers, that was the first place he went to look, the place that he had last seen Jesus, at the house where Mark was. And so Mark was asleep, but uh, with all the commotion with the soldiers, Mark woke up and he knew Judas was there looking for him with all these soldiers. So Mark gets up, sneaks out of the house, runs down to the Garden of Gethsemane to try and warn Jesus, but he's too late. And when he gets there, the Roman soldiers are already there. Uh, Peter strikes the, the uh, slave of the high priest. Uh, chaos ensues. Uh, Jesus is arrested. All the other disciples flee. The Roman soldiers are grabbing hold of any rebel they can grab hold of, and they're able to grab Mark's linen sheet, but Mark slips out of the linen sheet and runs away naked. That may be the way it happened. Uh, I don't know, but I think it, it explains uh, some of these circumstances. And Mark, uh, you know, he's including Peter or he's including, I'm sorry, he's including himself in this story. I remember uh, Peter was Mark's main source for his gospel. 
And so Peter gives all of these details, these embarrassing details about himself to Mark, who puts them in the gospel. Uh, and Mark says, you know, I'm not going to let Peter go down alone. I'm going to write about my own shame, too, in abandoning Jesus in his own time of need. So that may have been how it happened. But either way, there's chaos everywhere. Uh, uh, just imagine the scene. As soon as Peter strikes this slave, well, there's going to be there's going to be trouble, right? We can imagine what what might have happened uh, if Jesus hadn't calmed the situation. But there's chaos. Disciples running away. Uh, Jesus being arrested, uh, and he obediently stayed when all his disciples fled. And so the contrast is so clear. Jesus obeys God, follows the plan. The disciples all, uh, in the moment of crisis, flee, uh, not being faithful disciples, good-intentioned but weak. And so that's the contrast between Jesus following God uh, and his disciples not following Jesus. So let's just think about a couple of applications to wrap up. You know, people will also disappoint, uh, often disappoint us, and we will often disappoint other people. But Jesus never will. Jesus will never disappoint us. Uh, Jesus was the only one. He, he always stands firm. He's always faithful. He's always true. Us, we're often selfish. And even when we're not being selfish, it's so hard to know what other people's needs are and to fulfill them in their hour of need. Uh, because we, we just don't understand what other people need. But, but Jesus understands us perfectly. And he gave us exactly what we need by dying on the cross for us and, and rising from the dead. And now he's alive and he's our ever-present help in time of trouble. And so he promised never to leave us or forsake us. And so we can always go to him. He is our perfect and most reliable friend. So we go to him, our friend, in prayer. Secondly, Jesus knows our weaknesses and failures, and he loves us anyway. Can you imagine his pain when his closest friends all ran away? How would we feel if our friends were not there when we needed them the most? And yet Jesus offered them grace, even beforehand. When I am raised, I will go and meet you in Galilee. Uh, Amazing. He loved them unconditionally, and he loves us that way too. So we need to accept his love Third, we need to respond to crisis with Jesus' calm. There's chaos all around him. Uh, He, of all people, had the most reason to fear. He was the one who was going to go through uh, this crucifixion, and yet he was the only one in complete control of himself. And so God, when Jesus asked, uh, strengthened Jesus' heart and mind so he could go through this ordeal. And that's a lesson to us. We face confusion and trouble all the time, but if we will submit our thoughts and our minds to God, uh, he will help us through our difficult times. We can't fall victim to our emotions. Uh, Emotions follow thoughts. And if we control our thoughts, allow God to control our thoughts, our emotions will fall in line. So we have to learn to take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. That means give God your mind. Uh, Let him control your thoughts. Don't let your emotions carry you away. Trust God. And the last one is uh, to model Jesus's obedience. Uh, God did not call us to comfort, but to obedience and self-sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. So how obedient are we in doing it God's way? Sometimes we're not so obedient in doing God's way, doing it God's way. Jesus was consistent all the time, and that's what he wants for us too. So what trials are you facing now? 
where, where is it that God is asking for your trust and for your obedience? Uh, and where is he asking me for mine? We have to submit to God's will and model Jesus's obedience. If we're living sacrificially for him at the expense of, of self-comfort and convenience, they are, then we are living out God's will for our lives and the life that he has called us to. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so obedience is the greatest test of our love. And so we need to obey him. Uh, it said a friend in need is a friend indeed, right? Uh, Jesus is that friend for us because he died for us and he went to the cross and in dying as he did, he experienced everything that we could ever experience. He knows the human experience because he lived it. So we go to him. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us enough to die for us and he loves us enough to be who we need him to be uh, in our times of trouble. Amen? Lord God, we just thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ and for all that he has done, not only in his death and his resurrection for our sin, but in the fact that we still, uh, we, we know that he's alive. And Lord, we know that he is here to help. Lord, the human condition is difficult. The, the, the apostles showed us how difficult it is, and we experience it every day. Lord, when we fail, we just thank you so much for grace. And Lord, we ask for the strength to be faithful disciples. Lord, let the lessons that we learn from this passage just be a reminder to us that a faithful disciple follows Jesus through thick and thin. We pray in his name. Amen.